Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello, welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And we are your lore master and lore mistress extraordinaires. It's true. We're pretty extraordinary. Uh we just are obsessed with D and D and um can't stop talking about it. Can't, can't shut stop, up about won't it. Stop. Can't stop, won't stop D and D for life. Uh mm-hmm. no yeah mm-hmm. we uh we're not any you know we are no different than than any of you listening we both put on our pants you know one leg at a time and once those pants are on all we do is think about and read about D&D so That's true um also just going to throw it out there if you don't feel like wearing pants while you're reading about D&D I don't judge cuz no shame I mean if I'm in the comfort of my own home there That's what I'm saying not Absolutely. in a public bookstore, but in the comfort right. of your own home. There are caveats. Yeah, I, I am. There is very seldom, a, you know, it is very unlikely I am wearing pants. Shorts, probably. I'm not. I'm not Winnie the Poohing it over here, and I'm not Donald Ducking it over here. <laughs> but uh, this is a D and D lore cast, where we talk about D and D lore. We're obsessed with it. Uh, what are we talking about this week, Mary? <laughs> we are talking about uh, the Doragar or the Grey Dwarves. Um, they go all the way back to first edition, have been a part of D&D for a very long time. And like I mentioned earlier, when we were chatting before we got started, they've literally been around longer than I have. Yeah, original. Like, I mean, we're about to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've been in everything from games, novels, adventures, dragon magazines, and so, 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 so much more. It, I had, I had to, I had to cover these guys next after we been talking about the Underdark a little bit and cover the Sferf Neblin. So it was I mean, a lot of there's information. Nothing, there's no better idea than if you find yourself in the Underdark than to continue hanging out in the underdark of course right that's that's a great that's idea never yes. ended badly for anyone ever for anybody no that's not foreshadowing in the cities deep in the underdark live the Dorgar or great dwarves these vicious stealthy slave traders raid the surface world for captives then sell their prey to races to other races of the underdark they have an innate magical abilities that um, to become invisible and temporarily grow in size. That is how they are described on D&D Beyond. That's gnarly. So not only can you sometimes not see them, mm-hmm. but you're like, oh, it's like a, just a little guy. And then it's like, no, it's Mm-mm. actually it's not anymore. Just a giant invisible dwarf. Jeez. That's, well, that's how I die. You that's, will that's... die. You will die booping an owlbear 
It's I true. will die getting stomped by a giant invisible, invisible dwarf. dwarf. And then you'll probably have it coming. It's I will honest. too. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. You're, you're not fine. wrong. It's true. So these are a special, like a, a different species of dwarf that dwell in the Underdark. Subterranean like the Svirfneblin and the Drow. Um, they're built similarly to any other type of dwarf. All of them stand about three foot nine to four foot three or 1.1 to 1.3 meters for our friends that use a logical system of measurement. <clears throat> I look, my car gets 40 rods to the hog's head. That's, that's the way I like it. Not a phrase. What? <laughs> <laughs> you, you need a bone up on your Simpsons. You need to listen to my upcoming Simpsons lore cast. Gotcha. Gotcha. Episode. You do reference them a lot. It's uh my brain is like you know how um like web browsers you have like these temporary files to help you like uh-huh. um, access web pages that <laughs> or, like websites that you like you know like your bank or whatever maybe like um that's like that's how my brain works but like for work like my job <laughs> um but other stuff uh like Simpsons episodes that stuff's hardwired in Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I forget to eat. That's, you know what? I can't judge. I also suffer from the ADHD and it suffers me too. <laughs> Sometimes I get stuck reading about uh, gray dwarves. I do. And, um, and they, I forget to eat. It's true. <laughs> Don't come for me like that. So usually <laughs> these guys weigh in at about 84 to 144 pounds or 38 to 65 kilograms. Um, but the similarities between gray dwarves and the um, hill and mountain dwarves, like what most of us picture, they're pretty consistent across the board. Um, right, right. Just, I'm just going to throw it out there. It's a stereotype. I got um, the more traditional like more image traditional, of a dwarf. Exactly. Um, that, that's kind of where they, where they part ways. Um, the gray dwarves are usually a bit thinner than their brethren. Um, both males and females are bald. Um, the females do not grow facial hair. uh, Oh, well, that's interesting. I was going to say like, as a, as a baldo myself, I do appreciate that, but I have, I, I have fun with my facial hair. Oh, the males do grow facial hair. It's just not real pretty or well kept it's kind of scraggly oh whereas like more traditional dwarves they like take pride in how the length and the the bushiness of their beards right right um so these you know the dwargar have um they're also easily distinguishable from other sorts of dwarves due to the ashen gray complexion and the black eyes all of this matches perfectly to their gray, natural, stoic expression. Kind of a reflection of the dark, stony place that they live. Mm, that's poetic. Thank you. I'm poetic sometimes. Rarely, but sometimes. Adoragar found above ground was often easily distinguished by their skin. But any doubt could be easily cleared up when you more than likely notice their facial tattoos. So any of these guys that are above ground, those tattoos are a sign that they have been marked as a traitor to their people and have been banished. 
Interesting. Mm -hmm. They are a medium-sized humanoid and labeled as lawful evil in the species info. Um, and the monster stat blocks for them as well. But there are some really neat and awesome variations of them in there in the monsters section that I think everybody should go and take a peek at. There were so many. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can never, I, I can't get enough of any sort of like mysterious right? monster manual. Which I think would make them quite fun to be um, as an enemy from the DM standpoint, of course. So like other playable species that originate in the Underdark, they too have superior dark vision, move a whopping 25 feet, and they have damage um, resistance to poison. The Dwargar speak Dwarvish and Undercommon and have a couple interesting, I guess they're, are they species traits? Is that the technical term we're going with now? Yeah. Okay. I wanted to make sure. Um, so they have Dorogar Resistance, which grants on saving throws, sorry, grants advantages on saving throws against poison, spells, illusion, as well as having a resistance to being paralyzed or charmed. They have Dwarven Resilience, which is the advantage on saves uh, that end or avoid the poisoned condition and have resistance to poison damage. Um, however, they... Like all the others from Down Under, and I don't mean Australia, they have uh, sunlight sensitivity. So they have disadvantage on attack rolls and wisdom checks or perception when either themselves or the target is in direct sunlight. Interesting. Not what I expect whenever I hear sunlight sensitivity, and it always throws me because... You know, I picture vampires in old school right. movies. Right. <laughs> Bursting into flames. So at third level um, is when they gain that ability to cast enlarge and reduce spell. But it's only the enlarge portion of it. So they just get the first half there. Um, on themselves, of course. And then at fifth level, they gain the ability to cast invisibility. And both of those are like once per long rest. They are also blessed with psionic fortitude which grants advantage on saving throws to either avoid or end um the stunned or charmed condition so mechanically pretty solid in certain certain situations oh yeah absolutely i mean it's it's in keeping with like you know how a lot of species are were created for D D. like you know they're you know in general they should all they should be you know uh a good compromise mm -hmm. uh Solid you balance. know with some we you know with some stuff you know some situations where they're very advantageous and then others yeah. where they're like oh what this i'm useless here yeah I, I do appreciate a good solid balance, though, because I'm not a fan of OPing something, because that's not fun to me. I like the challenge. So, speaking of challenging, <laughs> let's talk about what these poor folks had to deal with um, as far as lifestyle, their culture, and a little bit of their personalities. I mean, just based on appearance, they seem like a happy-go-lucky <clears throat> bunch. Would I be correct in that in that assumption? 
I'm trying to figure out which picture you're looking at because they are a grim and a pessimistic group of folks. Um, their life oh, oh. and their outlook on life is just bleak and brutal. It's pretty metal, but go on. They are pretty metal. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. They viewed themselves as the perfect depiction of dwarvish ideals. And by comparison, they viewed their kin as weak and as pampered. So those pretty quaffed (laughs) beards you were talking about earlier, that's that fancy pampered hill and mountain dwarf. So they're like the older generation of dwarves. They they are. They are indeed. Back in my day. We didn't worry about it, pampering ourselves or having large, luscious, full beards. Need to work. And work some more. And then when you're done working, work some more. And work some more. So they were, like all dwarves, brave, determined. Um, but all those little charming but aggravating dwarven traits, that character flaws that we all have grown to love, Um they take all those traits to the extreme. They are not just grouchy. They are hateful. They are sullen, greedy, violent, ill-tempered cynics um, that take every grudge, real or imagined, and nurse it (laughs) for however long they need to uh, down there in the dark um, where things are not so great. (laughs) Yeah. That's putting it lightly for That's sure. That's how I'm gonna the underdark. It's not so great. <laughs> That's like when uh when a kid asks you like like what the underdark like? And you're like, oh, I can't I can't wreck this kid's mind it's right like, now. It's like it's just a, not um, good, honey. Yeah, it's oh honey, um well not so great. Thanks. Not so great. Yeah. I need that uh like that postcard, like Visit the Underdark. Not so great. <laughs> it's got like a like a Google rating. Like Google one and a half rating. stars. Yeah. Not so great. Mm-mm. No, no, no. So <laughs> three basic things kind of outline uh Dorgar life. Um they they all exist uh pretty much bottomless greed rules their world. Um, the rejecting of emotions, and they're kind of just in unending conflict, just constantly starting shit. I mean, as as one in the as a species from the underdark does for sure, <clears throat> probably prone to it. So while they're they're used to this awful life, though, um, and accustomed to the enduring consistency of the. Um, inevitable struggle that's just how things are to them it's that's just how it is it is what it is but they did have a genuine love of sorts of industry as much as they could love something um they did love their work um what others would view as labor and toil they would view it as an opportunity to succeed um kind of have this innate primal irresistible desire to to create things and to continue to make things not necessarily for the purpose of creating art but 
more to meet their goal of collecting more and um, amassing wealth and treasure as much as possible. No, yeah, I mean they have no interest in in the in art or poetry as as you or I do. Uh, it's all about survival for them. Yeah, absolutely. Like they accept nothing less than perfection in their crafting and they excel easily in their fields, never leave any job undone or even like half finished or half assed. Um they take no pride in that mastery of skill though, like other types of dwarves do that are very, you know, very proud of their work and like to brag about it and show it off. But their high quality work was not made with concern for aesthetics. Like I said, things were built and made so that they could be used, needed to be useful. Functional. Not... I can appreciate Exactly. That. They're not made for the love of the item, but because once it was made, they could make more and make as many as possible and sell as many as possible as quickly as possible. Got to have that quick, you know, that quick turnaround. So and what you're saying is they're like the, the like South Park of the Underdark. Oh my gosh. Is that I'm what you're saying? I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. That's I'm what go you're saying. say it. That's what you're saying. <laughs> it's not a reference I can confirm or deny. Because over my head sir as per usual oh no well, you missed thing... the board with that pop culture reference i did i mean the whole thing with like south park is like its animation style is such that they can literally like whip together an episode in like less than a week gotcha then yeah sure that way sure. it can it can be so topical okay well yeah sure sure why not um so <laughs> You said they're not a real artistic folk, right? Right, right. Which is true, because they don't have, like, extravagant designs or anything like that in their weaponry. But they did create art. It was beautiful, depicting scenes of battles and depicted their cruelty and all of the blood they had spilled. Real pretty, real shiny. The well-made weapons that they, you know, left all that fancy stuff off of, um, they did this because, well, one, preferred it to be useful as a tool, and two, they viewed all of those decorations as wasteful and useless. But they also would pa would um, cause a little bit of a concern. If you're traveling through the Underdark, anything with extra shine and sparkle and dazzle on it is going to increase your chances of giving away your position. For sure, it's more visible, and that's just smart. That's, yeah, exactly. I exactly. mean, this you keep talking as if sense. like these gray dwarves are, you know, are you know not the greatest of species, but so far I'm vibing with them. Like it seems like they're just making sense. They're making a whole lot of sense. I'm not going to say that they don't make any sense at all, because that would be silly. All I'm saying is, where do I we'll sign see. up? Where do oh. I sign up? Oh, I see. I see. Well, they also have a fondness for magically created items as well which is kind of interesting because that's not typical of our stereotype dwarves. true true so they would usually 
have these items created that would help them to hide from enemy senses, uh, protect their minds from being tampered with, or of course, give them an advantage in combat. I mean, when um, you're hanging out in the same spaces, some uh, items. I say when you're hanging out in the same space as mind flayers, that's definitely something you need. Exactly. Any advantage in combat. They had even created their own items that were exclusive to just them um, with bolts of battering, stone reaver axes, and things like absorbing shields. All of which sound amazing. Yes, please. Magic was an innate part of their society, though. Um, clerics were a very common thing. Um, this was also a way for them to gain more power and more influence um, they did have a tradition in their society of having both divine and having arcane magic and their various types of casters were very well respected within their society um, power came with wealth and possessions so they used these things to gain status and were not above stealing it or even waging war against others to take what they were entitled to, what oh. they were owed. You see, strength was the pillar for societal status for them. Um, the weak didn't really deserve to have anything. Um, Might makes right. I get it. I mean, it, I don't agree but I get it. Right. They showed no pity for the helpless or the less fortunate, no mercy for anyone weaker than them. Um, if you can't defend it, then you don't deserve it. And of course, with that kind of greed, just as you would expect, they would harbor an intense jealousy of anyone that happened to be better off than them. Um, they found very, very little in life that brought them any sort of joy. Um, but weren't completely without any kind of pleasure or happiness. I was going to say, what did make them happy? I mean, like, there's a, everything so far has just been they about survival. They sound real sour, yeah. Like, yeah, they like, just kind of like, oh, oh them, oh, them surface dwarves and their fancy hammers with all the filigree and their mm -hmm. well-coiffed mm -hmm. beards. Damn, mind flayers. What right. makes them happy? Aside from, I guess, they hating everything. take pleasure in the suffering of others. Oh, fantastic, then. Especially others that they would usually prey upon. You know, um, it they, they enjoyed the capture and torture of other, um, of other races, other species. Um, not in the, like, outrageous, over-the-top, flourishing ways. Like, you know, the drow are all fancy. Right about everything i know it's more just it's um so extra right they're just more of just working them to death um petty abuse cruel jokes that sort of thing um and they they did this to bring themselves just that little bit of cheer in an otherwise joyless life um closest thing to happiness that they could find was satisfying desire for treasure or feeding those violent urges especially if those violent urges were while they were raiding the strongholds of other dwarves well i mean all right these guys this these folk these gray dwarves sound like they're the worst to be honest i was gonna mm -hmm. say like i i 
I sympathize with them a lot. You know, they're just very practical, functional folk. I can see that. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, they sound really, really bitter. Yeah. Yeah. Having the uh, ability to uh, feel emotions, uh, you know, beaten out of you. Kind of do that, too. but I. It's fine. It's fine. We'll talk about it more. We'll talk about it. We'll get into we'll, that. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it out, we, after uh, the middle of the show. Yeah, give me a couple breaths. Let me get my voice back a little. Because I mean, we 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 do find joy, and some of the and a lot of the joy that we find uh, comes from the stuff we talk about in the middle of the show. That's right. Let's go. Middle of the show. Go on. Get. I don't know where that came from, but let's go. welcome to the middle of the show the 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 part of the show where that brings us the most joy because we get to we get to thank our patrons Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we get to discuss uh new uh things in the D &D verse new exciting things and also get to discuss some homebrew stuff Uh, first and foremost, uh, thank you to all of our patrons, uh, especially our newest patron, John N. Thank you for thank subscribing you. to the show. Um, John will be getting uh, early ad free episodes. Heck yeah. Uh, um, and there's a bunch of other stuff that's available on the Patreon as well. All kinds of crazy uh, bonus, bonus content, stuff. Uh, merchandise. Uh, in fact, true. Uh, we just sent out our first batch of merchandise to our wizard patrons. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, so like, and, and stuff like that, you know, the, you know, we wanted, we created the Patreon to give back to the community mm-hmm. that is supporting us. Uh, and we're also, you know, we, there's a lot of stuff that we have planned, a lot of ideas that we have that are only possible through, um, the financial support of the Patreon. Like we appreciate every single listener, every yes. single like word of mouth, um, you know, suggestion, recommendation. Absolutely. Every penny of it goes back into making it bigger and better and getting more lore to you wonderful, amazing people. More lore. That more is the D D lore cast lore. promise. Uh, but yeah, if you are interested in supporting us in that way, you can go to patreon.com slash D D Lorecast. Mm-hmm. And if you uh forget the uh forget about, you know, forget the URL to that there's the there's links in the show notes every single episode true and you can also uh links to our link tree that has link that then has links to all of our social medias the uh the the instas and the ticks and the talks and the twitters and there's just lorecast links lollygagging lazily so get to it just hanging around they're just waiting on you uh, but yeah, like you can also leave us a five star reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts yes, if you are so inclined. It just helps the show uh, grow and uh, and helps us reach as many folks as possible who mm-hmm. want to know about the uh, whose whose minds are wired in such a way that ours our that ours are uh, oh, that they yes. want to learn all the lore. Like, all the lore needs to be learned. All the lore. And as, as far as D and D news. Again, like we're just barreling toward uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. I've already mm-hmm. purchased my tickets. I've I've purchased five opening night, uh, middle back row, uh, XD oh. screen uh, tickets. Look at you go! I have not yet. 
uh, I I have told my my partner and my children uh, who have zero interest in playing D and D with me. <laughs> no interest in playing D and D with me, but. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, you know, we'll hang out in a luxury lounger and eat popcorn and drink hey. soda and eat candy while watching what what yeah. has an 89% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes right now. I know there was a thing over on Amazon that Prime members could uh, sign up to get free early screenings. There you go. Uh, yeah, well, so there's a we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. And something else that I found is that uh, a few... A few months ago, this was already last year, this was already available on GOG, but they released mm-hmm. them on Steam. All the old gold box series, old gold <gasps> box classic games. Ooh. Um, well, they're releasing now the silver box classics, as well as Spelljammer, Pirates of Realm Space, Fantasy Empires, Dragon Strike, and Death Keep. So all those games are going to be available later on in March. Um, these are all from old pc games commodore 64 nes these are all like old oh, classic man. games and they're all going to be available be able to run on modern pcs uh and we'll link to um to both gog and steam depending on you know which you prefer but uh yeah all those old games are they are all nearly unplayable not in that they're bad it's just that they are so hard <laughs> video games used to be so hard oh my gosh yeah so it wasn't just that i sucked at games that as a kid it wasn't just me i mean maybe i just sucked at games as a kid i think like everyone ha- everyone had to I-, I mean you had to brutal, to, get, to get good you had to like just keep get your it, money's yeah. worth young man but uh, yeah, so those games are going to be out. It's very exciting because, like I said, I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of all things D and D, new here old. For it. It's yeah, I'm mean, I'm absolutely here for it. Um, but oh yeah, I was in the Silver Box Classic includes uh, some Dragonlance games, uh, Heroes of the Lance, oh. Dragons of Flame, War of the Lance, as well as Shadow Sorcerer. So, gonna be a lot of fun there. Hell yeah! And as far as the homebrew, uh, homebrew shenanigans. <laughs> Uh, I was checking out the DMs Guild, and we we are talking uh, Dorger, and mm-hmm. so I found something from Scott Holden. This is D and D Denizens Dorger, uh, and this is a pay what you want with a suggested price of ninety nine cents. And it says the Monster Manual provides only one Dorger, a, a challenge rating one creature. Out of the Abyss supplies a few more variations. But any Rage of Demons campaign or any campaign that is you know, in the Underdark could use more options. The variations herein can provide you with a larger variety of Duergar characters, enemies ranging all the way from CR1 to CR5. Ooh. So you've got uh, about eight different Duergar uh, types to throw uh, at your yeah. characters or to as 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 friendly NPCs. And this has four and a half star rating. Uh I mean for for a buck, you can't go wrong. Heck yeah. That's a solid deal right there. And what I love a, a lot of the things that I love um about homebrew is you know obviously like you know the passion that goes into creating it. But it's such a, you know, it's such an exercise in imagination that it helps, you know, the the reader 
it gives them ideas on something like, oh, like this is cool. Like, but what if we did it this way? And then helps them create their own homebrew until we're in this, you know, perpetual motion machine of homebrew where it's just constantly being created. That's my dream that we never stop creating homebrew. Just an endless supply of homebrew content. Homebrew, hallelujah. I want that on my tombstone, actually. <laughs> so yeah, there's going to be a link in the show notes to that as well. Um, and anything else that we talked about, of course, always check the show notes. If you have any questions, you can hit us up uh, on via email, via uh, dndlorecast at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on any of our social medias everywhere. We are at dndlorecast. Uh, more than likely, you'll the, get the quickest response. The Discord, the Robots Radio yeah. Network Discord. Mary and I are constantly on that. It's true. Um, if you at if you at me, I will. I guarantee I will answer within sixty minutes. He I'm like Domino's. I'm like in your lore in thirty minutes or less. <laughs> or your lore's free. I mean, yeah. I'll get you extra free lore. I'll get you extra lore. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So we're always. You're not gonna. You're you're never gonna have to twist our arms to talk D and D lore. That's true. Uh, speaking of not twisting arms, let's jump back into uh to the gray dwarf lore. Beautiful. Finish beautiful that up. Uh, right, I like that. Nailed I like. It. I'm getting good at these. I feel at the segues. Sure. That didn't sound convincing. <laughs> Welcome back as we finish up our Duergar lore. So we talked about how just amazingly joyless they are. It's true. So, you know, that's got to make for some pretty terrible relationships, right? I, yeah. So what's your, uh... what's your typical Duergar relationship look like? Oh, gosh. I... I gotta say they're uh not great. Um interactions between dwarves and gray dwarves um are not not good. The gray dwarves are very, very bitter. Um they feel like they were cheated out of their birthright, even cheated out of it by their own kin. See, they're Raised to believe that betrayal is an inevitability and that trusting others, especially outsiders, that's kind of like forbidden, basically, in their society. It is just not not done. We don't do that. They lack all emotion and take pride in not being weak enough to feel, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like... That that it's Some giving emotionally energy? that's giving emotionally distant father. That's yeah, you right. <laughs> so because of this, you know, we don't have feelings. They're assigned a life partner, um, and this is done basically to ensure the continuation of Durgar. Um Individualism is completely irrelevant, and each member of society is expected to perform the roles they've been assigned to the very best of their abilities at all times. 
I mean, okay. So like we, most of us, if not all of us are familiar with Dritz, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the famous drow ranger who, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. shucked the ways of, of his people and and forged his own path. (laughs) Oh, shit. So sorry. I can't. I could not (laughs) help it that time. It just happened. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I I just feel like the Duergar are like just absolutely begging for their own dritz, like their own Oh man. Uh, but not like this um you know, not this very like conflicted, haunted right. you know, character like Dritz was. Like I want like a Duergar that's like super flamboyant and like just over the top. And just happy as can be. I just like that might yeah. be my next character. You sh- yes, please. I'm here for it. He could be a bard. I mean, that's initially I wanted to say that, but I think that's 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 too easy. I mean, maybe it's too easy. You know, maybe another class. I mean, like bard for sure is would be the obvious choice. But, solid, you know. yeah. But yeah. but maybe something else. They did. I can tell you this much, though, about Doragar, which maybe not so much a bard trait. Um, They did hold on to that typical dwarven virtue of minding their own business. Oh, yeah. Not not a bard. Definitely going to rule that out. Bards are. I don't know a single bard that minds their own business. Their business is not minding their business. Their business is putting everyone else's business business to a melody. Making everyone else's business a business. Ka-ching! So, even though they're rough, unpleasant folk, they're very practical people, as you mentioned before. They're willing to sell and trade their, you know, all of their wares with other species, um, sell things like thunderstones, poisons, highly effective armor lubricant, and military saddles. Um, this is an especially smart move on you know, on their behalf, since they're on again, off again, on again, off again relationships with the other frenemies in the Underdark, uh, the Sferf Neblin and Drow, is at times a very complicated relationship. Right. I, I could definitely understand that for sure. Because even the Drow, as evil as they are, you know, they're not, you know, they'll go on raids, but they're not just like murdering on... for the sake of murder right whereas you know like your mind players your illithids right. and your abolites and all every all the other creepy crawlies in the end everything else down there yeah like you know there's too. sort of like this so technically like, the drow are good guys they're not the worst bad guys they're not the worst thing in the underdark no by no means that's what i want on my tombstone not the worst <laughs> thing in the underdark <laughs> it's apt i mean exactly um they also held no love in their stone hearts for their closest kin um the shield dwarves that's who the um dorgar believe abandoned them to the you know whims of the aforementioned mind flayers um which is also why the gray dwarves continue to wage war against the shield dwarves from you know time to time on occasion so they don't exactly make a lot of long-lasting friendships, um, what with them being kind of sour. 
And they don't typically go out seeking adventure either. Um, It's usually a thing that's happened because they see some sort of profit in it for themselves. Or they were excommunicated for their petty crimes. Okay. All right. (laughs) Essentially. So work or die. In the first case, you're useful. In the second, you are entertaining is about the best way to sum up (laughs) Toragar lives. Um, Although they do live this harsh life, um, they were able to accumulate great wealth. They've, you know, purged themselves of weakness. And right. I'm glad you could hear my quotations and run a very successful military. So, you talked about their culture and they seem, I don't know, godless things, but they're not. Much like the various other peoples of Faerun um, and beyond, they are, they typically worship, most of us typically worship deities that reflect, you know, our ideals. So this rings true with them as well. Uh, the Durgar, while some of them lean towards other members of the Morden Saman or the Dwarven Pantheon, um, all of them acknowledge and respect this Pantheon. Most of them worshipped uh, Ladugger. Um, he's the master of the craft, the taskmaster, driver of slaves, or also known as the exile, um, though some later grew to worship his um, adopted daughter, Duera, who was raised to godhood after stealing the invisible art from the mind flayers and helping her people. Um, during the spell plague, however, whenever Duera and Ladugger were both dead, some of the Duragar, in desperation, went as far as to turn to an old friend of ours, Asmodeus, making literal deals with devils. How did they, how did they get to the point that they're at now? talk about their history and then i will let the uh, listeners ears go as i've held everybody here for quite a while so consider that the dorgar began as homeless outcasts and today their fortresses are some of the most impregnable strong points in the underdark the question might not be if they conquered the realm below but when this was a uh, quote regarding them um, from our good friend Mordenkainen. Mm, interesting. So, the Grey Dwarves were once a clan of shield dwarves in the Dwarven Kingdom of Baraquir, which was located in Shanatar, which is an ancient kingdom, like 10,000 DR. Negative so, yeah. 10,000 DR ancient. <laughs> Right. Let's go backwards. Super far backwards. <laughs> this clan also worshipped um, Ladugger as their patron. Um, they continue to throughout history and many still do. So he has been, that's been their guy since way back. They were an ambitious and bold clan. Uh, very powerful. They believed that they should be the ones ruling Shanatar. So this request of theirs had been denied 
after the second spider war, which I just want to pause there. If there's a second one, that means there's got to be a first. There's had to be a first. And this is a rabbit hole. I will go on. I'm going to journey down. I need to know. Yeah. I mean, about the spider wars. Plural. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Right. So they turned away from the other dwarven clans at this point, um, supporting the dwarven leaders with mere lip service only. Um, It was in their selfishness that they turned to the isolation of the Underdark. And that is what drew the attention of the Mind Flayers at Orendal. So the Mind Flayers attacked um, Barakuir? Sure. In (laughs) negative 8100 DR, enslaving or killing the majority of the population. Those that were taken were held in captivity for generations. They were warped and forever changed by the horrendous experimentation and the abuse at the hands or tentacles of the mind flayers. Um, The deep, twisted magics of the Underdark and the things that they went through was what caused them to become a subspecies of dwarf. That is what sent that branch off a different direction and created that's, you know, that time that shaped them into something separate than the shield dwarves that had abandoned them and left them to this, to this fate. So the gray dwarves, tired of their lot in life, done being slaves, rose up, defeated their captors, and gained their freedom from the mind flayers. The newly freed Dwaragar carved out a place for themselves below the great glacier, founding... Grapplestug in negative 3717 DR. The Deep Kingdom grew quickly, spreading throughout the northern reaches of the Underdark, reaching its peak in about negative 2600 DR. This is, what is that? Three, four thousand? Like three to four thousand years? Oh, yeah, it was like three to four, about. From where we are current day. Yeah. Yeah, from current day. So the Deep Kingdom Um, grew for about a thousand years. Yeah, just kind of grew and spread throughout, you know. Um, following the war with the uh, Quagoths of Ursandanthur, um, this kingdom found itself on the decline for many, many centuries to come. Um, beneath central Faerun to the south, Dunsparin um, is established beneath the... Okay, this... How would you go about this mountain range's name? Orsron? Is that it? Is it Orsron? That's how I would say it. I super tried to complicate it in my head. (laughs) So it's how how are you saying it? I was trying to read it as like Ors Rayon. Like I was trying to separate things way too much. It's O R S R A U N. Feel free to weigh in and correct me anytime. I am here for it. (laughs) Um, This this settlement of Dunsparin grew to encompass caverns um, from Termish all the way to the Dragon Coast, reaching the height of its power in negative 1800 DR when Queen Duera demolished the alliance between the Drow of Undreth and the Mind Flayers of Oridol, leaving her in a position to reclaim um, the older parts of the 
dwarven kingdom um alatorin and deep shanatar um for doing this she was actually raised to godhood um by ladugar and after this dunsparin fell into a decline only to rise again during the time of troubles and then fall into most recently a grueling arduous war with the army of gold and army that of gold is where sounds dope it yeah these are the uh shield dwarves ah mm-hmm. the that's the other and, yeah and the other branch yeah the army of gold is a, the name of an expedition of gold dwarves that set out from the great rift to reclaim the glory of deep shanatar the mm-hmm. lost kingdom of the shield dwarves mm. so you got a you got a lot of different dwarves staking Marching claim to, to this to this piece of property right trying to reclaim their legacies you also got the army of steel which mm-hmm. uh the name of the duergar army so you got the army of steel taking on the army of gold that sounds awesome <laughs> it does it's just awesome these have and... been a lot more fun reading than i was anticipating and i i love learning species lore like I like hearing about the people and where they came from. And that conflict where the Army of Steel and the Army of Gold mm-hmm. fought it is an ongoing war known as the War of Gold and Gloom. That about tracks. That's uh, oh, that's the best. That's the absolute best. That's the absolute best. There you go. Well, thank you so much for listening this week. Uh, We will be back uh, next week with some more lore. Uh, If you're interested in even more lore than that, you can go to patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast, where we have all sorts of fun bonus content each and every month. Uh, But yeah, again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We are uh, immensely humbled to be allowed to be a part of your lives each and every week. Yes, yes. Thank you for listening to my mad ramblings and my brain rerouting itself (laughs) mid-sentence. That being said, my name is Sergio. (laughs) And I am Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener, and until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.